The future is most definitely now. Welcome to 8Base Radio, an interactive show featuring technology trends, top business leaders, and upcoming events in the business world. 8Base Radio is hosted by 8Base founder and CEO, Albert Santalo, a serial entrepreneur and angel investor with a passion for disrupting traditional business models. Now, here is Albert and your 8Base Radio team on 880 AM, The Biz. Welcome back to yet another edition of 8Base Radio here on 880 The Biz. Eights are going wild and happy to be here with the uh, star attraction of the show, uh, the uh, president, CEO, and founder, Albert Santalo. Uh, what, a, uh, what a pleasure to, to be here with you again on, on this second show. And it was, uh, I'm going to tell you her great things about the first one. And uh, welcome to you on this Monday. Thank you, Tony. Um, you know, Tony is here. He was here for our first show. I was interviewed during that show. I guess I was the, the, the attraction of the day. You are the attraction. <laughs> and uh, fortunately, he's come in today to serve as sort of my training wheels, <laughs> given that uh, I'm, a, I'm a rookie. You're in the pilot whole, chair. You're in the pilot chair. At today. this whole radio host uh, thing. But, you know, we feel, we at 8Base feel incredibly, uh, we're incredibly excited about what we're doing with 8Base Radio. You know, this is about bringing to the forefront digital transformation, especially in South Florida, uh, and all the themes as it relates to entrepreneurship. Today, we have an amazing guest, uh, which we'll, we'll introduce in a minute here. But, but I do want to recap last week a little bit. So we, we kicked off the show last Monday. Uh, we talked a lot about 8Base and what we're trying to do. And that was a special day for us because it was that day that we actually launched our product into beta. That's and right. so it was a very exciting thing. It was, it was a very, what I would call soft launch. So we turned on the website uh, and we allowed people to go through registration and actually begin using the product. And a lot of interesting things have happened in that week, including that we've had with, uh, with really not much of a, a buzz in terms of marketing because uh, short of this show and a little bit of social, we didn't do a lot of marketing, but we've had people from all over the world come in and, uh, and begin using the product. And all of us have been online listening to what they say, uh, getting their recommendations, and we've been adjusting daily. We've been releasing new product every single day. So it's been really, really interesting. And um, we Thursday, we had our, our launch event, and it was a great turnout. We had a few hundred people uh, come celebrate with us and talk a little bit about the vision and, and what's going to happen from there forward. And uh, so we've got an incredible following and a lot of good will surrounding 8Base, and so we're really excited. Albert, I was there on Thursday. I was blessed to be there, and it was a packed house. Uh, I think you shared the vision in a, in a, in a crystallized way, and everybody, it was, there was a big buzz. And, and normally there is, there is some big buzzes when you're something starting, but I, I, felt, I felt like people, well, there were some people taking real true ownership of that, uh, the team that you had there, the guys that are in Russia, the guys that are in here, you, you can tell as they were talking, and I was talking to some of them, how they really feel this, you know, this is part of them, this, this whole vision. And, uh, and it's great to have a, a great team like you do. Yeah, no, the team was very excited. I, I think we even had the, uh, the guys in Russia actually listening in live on, through Facebook wow. during the event. And it was, you know, the middle of the night for those guys. <laughs> That's right. So, That's right. So, no, it's, uh, it, it's been great all around. And, you know, I, I think the takeaway is that we saw it at the event. There's a lot of people excited about what digital transformation means to them in their own way. In some cases, it's businesses, business owners that understand that disruption is around the corner and that they need help implementing modern technologies and modern, modern methods that surround those technologies. And then you have a fair share of entrepreneurs that, uh, you know, are excited about the fact that 8Base really shortens their time to market by giving them platform capabilities that they can leverage inexpensively that really accelerate what they do. Um, and for an entrepreneur, that's incredibly important. So, uh, so we're excited, but, you know, enough about us. <laughs> Let's talk about our, our guest today. Um, so we're fortunate to have as our first guest on 8Base Radio, uh, a very esteemed colleague and a dear friend, Salo Shredney. 
Well, it's great to be here, Albert. I feel like I'm, uh, I'm flying with you on your first solo drive. So, uh, <laughs> it's great to be on board, but I've uh, got my seatbelt on now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, look, I think it's going to be, uh, knowing Salo, I think this is going to be a very easy discussion. We'll try. We'll try. If I don't know it, I'll make it up. But, uh, there you go. We'll, we'll definitely go for it. There you go. Well, well, listen, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you, you know, I know you, but not everybody knows you. You know, um, you've, you've got a lot of titles, right? You're, a, you're an executive, entrepreneur, venture capitalist. Why don't, why don't you tell us about you and, you know, start at the beginning if you want. Yeah, that's, uh, that's great. So I, um, I graduated uh, from Penn State. I'm a proud Penn Stater. My entire family actually uh, went to Penn State, my wife and, uh, and two daughters. And uh, I went to work for Anderson. Uh, I was doing both audit and consulting. I, I ended up doing for a, audit for a couple of years, and uh, I got bored with it. I ended up uh, doing mostly consulting, doing mostly business process reengineering. I then went to work, uh, after I was there for eight years, went to work for Phil Frost, which is uh, one of our local billionaires. And I was his chief accounting officer, and I was lucky lucky enough to... Um, to, to be exposed to a lot of M&A work. Uh, and that was at IVAX, That correct? was at IVAX, yep. correct. Yeah, I was, I was chief accounting officer and VP of accounting, I think it was, at IVAX. I think we looked at something like 20 to 25 different deals a year. So wow. that, uh, that, was, that, was, that was pretty cool training. Phil Frost likes to buy companies, huh? He does, he does. He's, he's built uh, uh, quite a few companies doing that, uh, and it's, been, it's yeah. been great for ecosystem here. A lot of the pharma in town you can trace back sure. uh, to Phil's, fir for Phil's first company uh, where, where, where he cut his teeth. And then after doing that, uh, I, uh, I went to work for, uh, for a great technology company out in Westchester, not far from where we're sitting, <laughs> uh, from beautiful Westchester. Uh, Florida and uh, what uh, what what we did there is uh, we had great technology to analyze the market. So I did that. Uh, I came in as COO, became president, became CEO, uh, became took the company public, became chairman of the board, and I was lucky enough to work with with great partners and great people all my life. Um, that was with the Cruz brothers, right? That was that was at, a, at trade station. It was. It was yeah, Bi yeah. Bill and Ralph Cruz, who were uh, our dear friends and uh, dear dear brothers, and. Uh, and we, we did that, and that was that was phenomenal. We had a great run. I, I was a trade station for uh, over 20 years, and what we did there together is we transformed the company uh, from being a uh, technology company uh, to being a broker dealer, and then we grew that to be the seventh largest broker dealer in the U.S. About Incredible. Uh, used to be the same size of E-Trade in terms of trades. I don't know what it is today. I'm a little detached. I sold that business to Japan's second largest broker in 2011, went on to become CEO of the Japanese company. I've been to Japan 14 times. Wow. Um, so, and that uh, may be like the only Westchester unicorn, maybe. It might be. It <laughs> might be. Not quite. Yeah, I hear you. Uh, Having grown up in Westchester. I hear you. Me I too, you. by the way. Hey, we're too. representing. We're representing. So so, so I did that. And in, in uh, after being CEO of the Japanese company uh, for um, – for, for four years, I ended up leaving in 2016, and I really didn't know what I was going to do. Uh, and at that point, um, uh, uh, two friends of mine, Joe and Sam Rubenstein, I only work with brothers. That's my thing. Oh, that's yeah. Yes. Uh, uh, Joe and Sam Rubenstein uh, and I founded Cromwell, which is a startup that's disrupting the workers' comp space. Uh, and then I was approached by, uh, by Bill Pruitt, a, a common friend of ours, and, and my first boss, yeah. uh, managing partner of Anderson, for Florida, Caribbean, and Venezuela. Uh, he had been an angel investor for, uh, for 22 years, and uh, um, he, uh, he was starting a fund, and he approached me with, with David Zinn, who's one of my partners, about coming on board and joining the, his, his venture fund. So I'm a, I'm a co-founder of Cromwell today, and then uh, I spend quite a bit of my time also looking at startups and helping entrepreneurs be successful. That's really what you do as a, as a VC. Yeah, well, that's great. You know, Bill Pruitt has a, the Midas touch. Yeah, well, he's listening, so we better be nice. <laughs> uh, we got to be careful now. Well, you know, whatever Bill invests in does really, really well. Well, certainly, uh, that's it, whatever I invested with him pre, um, pre Ocean Azul, he, he did pretty well. But uh, he's got a good eye. He's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, he's a great human being. So it's uh, absolutely so it's, such. It's a true honor to call him my partner. Yeah, no question. And and Joe Rubenstein is a friend of mine as well. 
Tell us a little bit about, I think you were a board member of his company as well, at GMED, correct? Yeah, Prior. Jo, yeah Joe, Joe had asked me, Joe uh, had GMED, which was uh, uh, really the largest um, electronic health records company in the gastro space. Right. Uh, and I was a board member in his company probably five, six years before he sold that company to Modernizing Medicine, which is uh, really one of the fastest growing companies here in uh, sure. in South Florida. Dan Kane. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, so he did it. Uh, Joe did an amazing job growing that uh, that business, uh, and uh, and I was excited uh, when uh, when he approached me and said, "Hey, why don't we do something together?" And that's uh, how Cromwell got born. Yeah, Joe's a great entrepreneur. He I sure don't know is. his brother as well, but but Joe's a great entrepreneur, and he did a phenomenal job with GMed. You know, in my CareCloud days, I would run into GMed whenever we would almost universally we talked to a gastro practice, and they were using GMed and. Uh, GMED was untouchable. They were very happy with GMED. So yeah, it's really it's really hard to do well in that space. Yeah, great entrepreneur, and that's uh, why I'm glad to have him as my partner. Yeah, yeah. And what does what does Cronwell do? So um, what what we do at Cronwell is uh, we we help injured employees uh, when they get hurt in the workplace. Um, it, it's too common that an that an injured employee gets hurt, and they're basically on their own. They 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 don't know who to talk to. They try to talk. To, to, to an adjuster, a third-party administrator, and, and those th those guys are so overworked, uh, sure. they're so overwhelmed that you basically, your back's hurting, you have nobody to talk to. So by, we've identified a pretty cool space, which is uh, when something happens, an incident happens, uh, helping those those employees and, and, and giving them some empathy and, and being able to support them as they get going into the into the recovery. So from from understanding what the injury is to doing some triage, we, we have uh, nurses on staff that can help um, employees figure out what's the best course of action. You know, if, if you hurt your back on the weekend, you don't rush to the hospital, get MRIs done. But when you're at work uh, and your back's hurting, uh, what you do is you immediately run. So we have folks that can help you figure out what's the best course of action, nurses that are they're adequately trained uh, to help with triage. And then the other thing we do is, is help answer questions, act really as a concierge for, for injured employees so we can help them again through the, through the recovery. We're not the employer, we're not the insurer. What we're trying to do is be advocates for that um, employee and make sure that they get the best treatment, that they don't feel alone, and that we can help them get to recovery. And the model there, uh, we, we have a pilot we, we are just... Uh, we're just wrapping up our first pilot, and we've been able to get a return of 20 times. So for every dollar that pilot spends with us, we've been able to to save them 20 bucks. Wow, and that's, that's crazy. Yeah, no, it's it, it's, it's a no-brainer. Correct. And what we that's mostly on legal fees because when you yeah. have when you're alone and you don't know what to do when you get home, and you have a, a lawyer online saying, "Hey, uh, let me get, help you get your fair share," and you don't have anybody to call. Uh, that's your best answer, but we're there to fill that void. So, so what we're doing is three things really: uh, saving on legal costs, making sure injuries get treated adequately, right? So, to the extent something can be just treated at home and just needs rest, make sure that we direct that properly. And last but not least, we're really helping um, get employees back to work faster and happier. Sure. By the way, we, we've gotten some great feedback from employees uh, that uh, you know people are good people, and uh, and they're excited. Uh, when you have somebody uh, there on their behalf trying to help them. No, that sounds great. So it's a high touch, it sounds like concierge, case management type of service. How does technology play into all yeah, of this? Yeah, excellent. So uh, over time, technology will play a bigger, bigger and bigger role. But today, uh, we have really uh, two different platforms that, that interact. One is we have an app uh, so that when that employee has a question, uh, we're available 24-7. Uh, through a right. chatbot. So if you want to know, hey, did you get that? And by the way, we're still in the MVP. We're still early on the main sure. viable product. But but the idea is if an employee wants to know, hey, um, how, 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 how do I get my medications? Hey, um, uh, did my did my check make it? Uh, we have basically built a chatbot that can communicate and talk to that employee in both English and, and Spanish. Great. And uh, maybe we'll, we'll introduce Spanglish uh, third, um, but uh, so, so that's one piece. The other piece is we're monitoring all these relationships, uh, and we have basically a recovery assistant that that, that, that can that can help 
uh, with the the employees, uh, the employer, sorry, see where we stand. Part of what we'll do is we'll help employees uh, arrange for, for medical appointments. So I know of an example of one, one of our injured employees who was going to have to wait two to three weeks uh, to get an appointment. We were able to expedite that uh, to get it that same week. Uh, so appointment reminders, uh, eventually we have the, the ability for people to, to upload records sure. uh, and make sure they're informed. So technology is very centric, but, uh, both Joe, Sam, uh, and, uh, and I are, are, um, are very much technologists and we, we, we believe we're solving, solving problems with technology. But the, the reality is that when you're delivering empathy, uh, right now the best way to do it is to do it with a warm and friendly uh, uh, person. And, and that's why we have a call center today that can help us do that. Yeah, and it lets you get to the market fast. It, it does. Which is great it does. in an entrepreneurial yeah. setting. Well, right? well, to be honest, uh, I, and I'm a, I'm a co-founder. Kudos to to my partners, because uh, we've been uh, in business uh, a little bit less than a year and a half. We have functioning technology out, working and being used. So, uh, so That's like great. like any great startup, you have to build and uh, rebuild and focus and refocus. We we been lucky that we found a, a really interesting niche uh, where nobody else is playing and have been able to deliver some great results. Great, well, that's, you know, Salo speaking on behalf of himself, a very experienced entrepreneur, and uh, on behalf of two other very experienced entrepreneurs. Yeah. So it's always a great uh, thing to sort of dissect how experienced entrepreneurs are going about starting their companies. So it's, uh, it's commendable. And uh, how would you, how's the company funded? Maybe talk a little bit about that, um, if at all. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. No, no, absolutely. So, uh, so uh, obviously, Joe, Sam, and I uh, had, had some pretty nice exits and pretty, some pretty good success. And we, uh, we, we were, we were uh, pretty lucky to find friends and family that wanted to back us up. And we ended up, uh, we first thought we were going to raise $2 million. When, when we said $3 million, we ended up raising $5 million. Great. Uh, yeah, and, and that's going to last us probably another couple of years. Uh, we're very smart about the burn. And the reality is um, we're about 11, 12 employees today. And we'll, we'll if, if all goes well, we, we have, uh, our pilot was approximately uh, 5,000 employees. And the idea was that uh, if we deliver certain results, which we more than exceeded, it, I think we promised a one-to-one -one return and we're one to 28. Uh, <laughs> so we're doing all right. Uh, we have some some margin of error. And obviously it's preliminary yeah. and it's only one client and, and uh, we'll have to go through that. But uh, uh, if, if in fact uh, we're delivering, meeting certain benchmarks, uh, the rest of the group, uh, which will get us up to 80,000 employees, uh, will we'll join in. And on back of that, we have another group with 50,000 employees. So Fantastic. We, we've received, and if we do that, we should be close to break even. Yep. Uh, so we build a business that's, uh, that's leverageable and, and can hopefully, uh, to a large extent, fund itself. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, good. I love it. So why don't, why don't we move to your venture capital life? Talk a little bit about that. You're, so you're working with Bill Pruitt, David Zinn, Christy King, and Alex Tellis, correct? Those yeah, are your I partners? Am, yes, they, they, they all are. All friends. Yeah, all, all, all friends. They, the one thing we have in common is we were all worked together 30 years ago at Anderson. So I tell people, be, don't burn any bridges <laughs> uh, because, uh, because they came back 30 years later. But uh, no, we're blessed that uh, Anderson was a, was a great firm with, with a great culture. And we all work together and we we're ingrained. Um, and uh, it's been great to, to get this started. We started about a year and a half ago. Also, and it's just been phenomenal uh, to get it off the ground. Where um, we, we we raised a fund of fifteen million dollars, and uh, we write average checks anywhere from a hundred to a million. Say an average of right. five six hundred. I think we're invested right now in eleven different companies. Uh, and uh, from the onset, what we're looking to do is find companies uh, that are going to change the world. Uh, not just me too. Not. Uh, not somebody that's finding the Uber for Hispanics. Right. Although that's commendable, that's not gonna change the world. Uh, we're looking for companies that are gonna be uh, changing the world. Uh, the most important thing is a jockey, right? The entrepreneur, make sure we sure. find entrepreneurs uh, that, that we feel we can work with, that want our help. Uh, we won't get involved. There's great companies we've gotten pitched by and we see probably four to five pitches a week. Uh, but at the end of the day, we wanna work with people that are great people that want our help that we can assist. Uh, and, uh, and we want obviously a great company that's differentiated and again, and that, that will change the world. 
That's great. And at what stage, just for the audience to understand, at what stage would Ocean Azul get get involved with the company? Is it is it stage agnostic at all? Yeah, yeah. Well, we, we like to get in early. We like to find uh, gems uh, where you know three of us were former CEOs, right? So right. we're not spreadsheet junkies. Uh, we're not. I often tell entrepreneurs if you torture the numbers long enough, they'll tell you what you want to hear. Mm. And the reality is that when you're an entrepreneur. Uh, you have no no freaking clue, right, of, of, of what you're going to deliver. So we're looking for is really entrepreneurs that have a great idea. And, and the reality is that um, failure is not fatal, right? And how many entrepreneurs, and you're, you're yourself an entrepreneur, you're a serial entrepreneur, uh, how many times you pivot and something you tried didn't work, and, and, uh, and you switch and you switch. So at the end of the day... Isn't that sort of important? Like, isn't failure, how do you see failure in terms of... Uh, pivoting and adjusting and trying things that might not work. Yeah, you know, listen, one, one of the stories I learned, the, the problem is that in America, if you fail, you're a loser, right? If you get an F in school, it's a bad thing, right? So Certainly all, on the East Coast. I hear you. So, <laughs> so, so uh, we all get beat up yeah. for failure, for failing. But at the end of the day, uh, if you're not failing, you're not innovating, right? Because the reality is that innovation requires you to get out there on a limb and, and you have some theories and you're not always going to be right. So I think the important part, look how many things, Amazon's an incredible company. And if you look at their list of failures, sure. it's, it's, They're big it's, time. it's 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 pretty cool yeah. uh, from the reader Absolutely. to, yeah. So so people, the good news about humans is they only remember successes, you know? Right. We as entrepreneurs only remember all the great things we did. Especially in the United States. Yes. Well, I, th I think all over because, listen, the beauty about this country is that we can fail here and nobody's going to kill you. Right. In some other parts of the world, yeah. if you fail, it's they're going to put you in jail. Right. Right? I mean, for example, our bankruptcy laws uh, are such that, that, that you can fail and you still make it. I mean, listen, Walt Disney... A fact for bankruptcy, and, and, and nobody thinks of him as a loser. Sure, if he would, it would have been in other countries. It really, would have been, it would have been much tougher for him. Yeah. So, so I think that failure is central. Uh, but, but I think <clears> the important <throat> part is to understand uh, how you're failing, to to take the lessons out, and make sure that you don't take such big bets. That basically, you 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 are in the spirit of failure, you go out of business. That's that's not good. Right. Right. And this is where, you know, chime in here, but having venture capitalists, having investors that are experienced executives and know the startup playbook, I got to think that helps the entrepreneur quite a bit. Yeah, I, I, um, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes entrepreneurs make is they're very focused on, on valuation, right? There, you start with, hey, my company's worth five million, my company's worth 10 million, my company's worth 20 million, and that's the end all be all. When in reality, uh, you are basically getting married, right? It's the equivalent of, of getting married and only looking at, at, at your wife's or husband's weight. Uh, that's going to change. And what yeah. you want is you want the right partner. You want somebody that, that, can, that, can, that, can, that understands you, that understands the market, that understands the way business is. That's going to be there too. Sure. It's not all going to be good. I mean, that's just it's just uh, it's just a, there's there's going to be pieces where you need somebody to be there and pat you in the back, call you back, uh, while you pretend that uh, that you're doing great. At the end of the day, I mean, picking the right partner is, is probably one of the most impo most important decisions you make uh, as as a young entrepreneur. That's that's for sure. I would say that it's probably easier to unwind a marriage than it is a relationship with your venture capitalist. That's true to, to, to a large degree, but I wouldn't tell your wife that. No. no, no, I, no. That, I think he just did. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I mean, if I'm not mistaken. And a thousand other people as well. Yes, I hope she's not listening. No. Yeah, yeah no. It's, uh, no, but the, the, the point there and what both of us said is that picking your investors is probably one of the most important things that an entrepreneur can do. But it's not always easy for an entrepreneur because sometimes they just need the money. No, I, I, I hear you. And... Uh, that's why I tell entrepreneurs raise capital early, yeah, uh, absolutely. so that you don't get into a position where you don't have a choice. Um, so it's so it's tough. It's tough for entrepreneurs because they're there to run the business, and that to raise capital and raising capital can become almost a full time job. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. But you know, you guys are clearly 
knowing you guys and uh, working with you a little bit, you guys are clearly a huge value add for any entrepreneur that you do business no, with. No, I, I appreciate that, and that's that's why we exist. We exist really to help entrepreneurs uh, achieve their dreams and, and uh, help them along the way. Yeah, a little side story. I called Bill Pruitt, I don't know, maybe a week ago, two weeks ago, because he sent, he copied me on this, which I felt honored because I'm not a portfolio company, but he copied me anyway on a note that he sent all of his portfolio company CEOs, basically talking about how long does it take a company to get to exit. And it was somewhere around 10 to 12 years. And he was basically trying to cheer them all up and say, guys, you know, what you're experiencing is very typical. Hang in there. Keep your chin up. And I was like, Bill, you are the nicest venture capitalist I've ever come across in my life. <laughs> well, listen, uh, it, it's uh, the reality is you know us well. And uh, once somebody joins the fund, their family. Yeah. Uh, so you have to make sure you're there to support and, and make sure you help do whatever you can to get there. So uh, we're definitely patient and uh we, we, want, we want people to do well. We want people to uh, succeed, and that takes time. That doesn't happen overnight. And it's a very human experience, right? At the end it of the is. day, it's all people. The spreadsheets alone don't get it done, and uh, you know that human element is what, is what gets it done. So yeah. you know, having, having seen all sides of this, I, I just felt deeply appreciative of what, of what Bill said. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Well, well you... Um, you grew up in Miami, correct? I did. I'm, I'm Colombian, but I, I came here when I was 14. Okay. So by now, I think I'm a native. You're definitely a native. Yes. So it's been You're, quite a few what, years. You're, what, 28 now? Yes, uh, 29 <laughs> now. Yeah, now Spend I, half your life here? I, I hear you. I think I'm almost on 40 years here in Miami. So uh, I think that's probably more than 70% of the population. I've Absolutely. That is true. In, in that is town. true. Yeah. Well, good. And you went to high school. Then you went to uh, you went high school here. Then you went to Penn State. Yeah, and I did some graduate work at University of Miami. Okay. So I I, I did. Uh, I think I'm six credits short of my master's in accounting. So one day I mean I'll go back and uh, and finish that. <laughs> so if Penn State plays Miami. Uh, oh geez. That's you? easy. That's easy. So I, so I, so I, <laughs> I went to Penn State in the '80s, and that was Jimmy Johnson and uh, fatigues. So uh, that's exactly so right. It's not very difficult. Uh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Jim Kelly actually beat Penn State at Penn State. If you remember that, yeah, I do. But uh, I, I remember that's not more the game we all remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm more of a Fiesta Bowl kind of guy. Oh yeah. 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 Well, yeah. No, I don't remember that. Yeah, I could. Yeah, I forgot a, that thing. I could have been a millionaire if I had uh, the guts <laughs> to bet everybody in town. A thousand dollars. That was brutal. Yeah, six turnovers, fourteen ten. I remember yes. that game vividly. Yes. Unfortunately, yes. for Hurricane fans, I remember vividly too. I got thrown out of my grandfather's house because I was screaming so hard. <laughs> uh, but uh, it was a phenomenal game. Yeah, some of yeah. my high school friends were on that team. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't yeah. cool. It wasn't cool that day. Yeah, no, it was very cool. <laughs> no. No. That's pretty awesome. No. So, so you've seen Miami grow up in the last few decades, right? So, so tell me about that. What do you, what do you think about what's going on here, uh, technology scene and otherwise? You know, it's, it's really exciting. I see a big effort by our community uh, to really make uh, Miami a true startup uh, center. Uh, you know, we've, we've always talked about all the connections to Latin America, but I see more and more the ecosystem here in Miami growing. Uh, and, and, and people supporting our, our budding entrepreneurs and, and, and making sure they succeed. Great. Well, I think we're going to table that thought for a few minutes and we'll get back on it and take, uh, take a quick break here. Absolutely. We will be back with 8Base Radio in a moment. Albert and the 8Base team return in moments with more 8Base Radio here on 880 AM, The Biz. Welcome back. This is Albert Santolo here for 8Base Radio. We're uh, at the bottom half of the hour here. We've had a great first half hour talking to my dear friend, Salo Shredney. Uh, we've talked about a lot of things. We uh, told us a lot about his background, basically all the way back to college and high school. And uh, he's a Penn State fan, but we'll forgive him for that. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and uh, we talked about his career as an executive entrepreneur at Trade Station for 20 years. Westchester's biggest success, and uh, we talked a little bit about his experience as a venture capitalist and uh, as a co-founder of Cronwell. Welcome back. It's great to be here. Can't wait to uh, see where we go with this next. Yeah, absolutely. So we, we, we stopped. Uh, we cut you a little short here. We were talking about Miami and how Miami has changed. 
So why don't we pick up where we le- where we left off here? So you you said you moved here when you were fourteen. So that was nineteen eighty or so. Yeah. Yeah. Eighty one. Man, a lot has changed since then. I, I know because I moved here in nineteen seventy eight. Wow. So uh, yeah, I mean it, it's really incredible. Uh, you, you know, it's not just Miami. We, we're uh, we're in an era where where starting a business has become incredibly easy. You think about what Amazon's done for entrepreneurs where if you want to start a tech company just building your your farm your your data farm would have killed you and today all you need is a subscription to the cloud and you can scale and 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 go as big or as little as you need so that that really has been an amazing i mean i remember i'm sure you remember in the dot-com days yeah the first five hundred thousand dollars of capital any company got was about taking a closet in their in their office uh, bringing in a special air conditioner, buying servers, right, and uh, creating their own infrastructure. Remember, boy, boy remember has the, that changed. Yeah, the, the fire suppressant systems and <laughs> all that stuff. God forbid it got overheated. The, the halon. The yes, halon. exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> going to kill somebody, just lock him in there. Exactly. And, uh, and 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 pull the fire alarm. But but you know, so so so, so to me, it's a trend in general it, that that's that's phenomenal. So it's sort of the the long tail economy where where you know, listen, if you and I wanted to create a beer brand 20 years ago, it'd be almost impossible. Sure. But uh, if you and I want to do a beer brand today, we can go out, uh, find a bottle we love in China, hire a, a graphic designer in Cincinnati, have him produce the, the labels, uh, contract with a small brewery, do our own recipe, uh, have Amazon um, basically store it for us, do all the logistics, and uh, I'm not exaggerating, we could probably be in business in about two weeks. Yeah. And if you think about that uh, 10 years ago, that would have been completely inconceivable. So we're going that combined with with more and more sort of millennials and Gen Zers who want to work uh, for themselves. We have this phenomenal long tail, and, and Miami certainly has been participating in that. I mean, the, everything, you know, you, you look at co-working locations, right? Sure. And uh, what you realize is is now I can have an office as little as big. Uh, I- imagine if you want to start a company, you didn't know whether you need space for five, space for 10, space for 20. Today, it doesn't really matter. You, you, you we go, talked about that last week. You yeah. Know, it was, how scary is it for an entrepreneur to sign an office lease with a personal guarantee? Yeah. So today you go to a, a, a borough, which is a local company. You go to a WeWork, sure. and you can be up and running uh, two more mornings. So, so I think that uh, that that specifically to Miami, what we see is is we see really part of this trend that's happening. By the way, not just here, but just about everywhere. But uh, the reality is that uh, innovation used to happen for the most part uh, in Silicon Valley or in Boston, uh, but now uh, it's been enabled so that everywhere. People are thinking of better ways to do things, better ways to, to, to disrupt and and to kill status quo. Yeah, no, it's really it's really an amazing thing. How old are your kids? My kids are twenty four. Okay. Yeah. So twins. let's let's roll it back and let's say your kids were ten years younger. How would you advise them in terms of what they should do? Should they go on entrepreneurial track? Should they go and work for big companies or some mix thereof? You know, there the um. The, the reality is that different kids, there's no right or wrong answer, right? Uh, some kids have briefcases at age eight, mm-hmm. and uh, they're selling gum in school and getting in trouble and getting called to the principal's <laughs> office for being entrepreneurial. Right. And and they, they don't follow rules. Right? They're, they're what uh, a professor at Harvard calls the rebel talent. Um, <laughs> So, so I've met a few of those. Yes, correct. <laughs> uh, so me too. They are out of the principal's office, um, and 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 some 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 kids uh, need more structure, need more training. So my advice to young people is always the same: just just find what you love doing. It doesn't really matter what that is, and chase it. Uh, you know, we we lost one of the titans of business in this town, which is uh, sure. Wayne Heisinga. And uh, the the amazing thing about Wayne is, which which by the way, for the audience, although. Uh, Although most of you won't know what Blockbuster Video was, uh, or waste management, uh, which is the largest sure. uh, waste company in, in the world, uh, um, or, or the Miami Dolphins. So these are all things that we know. Or AutoNation. Or AutoNation USA, yeah. exactly. Uh, um, Wayne started uh, waste management, became a billion dollar company plus 
today's largest yeah. um, uh, waste uh, waste company in the world by driving a garbage truck. And I remember as a young kid, my parents used to tell me, hey, what are you going to do, collect garbage? Uh, well, there we go. Uh, Wayne, <laughs> Wayne started by collecting garbage, and, right. and he became uh, a billionaire. Exactly, yeah. multi-billionaire. So, so that's uh, and you I never think, know. I think he's still, or at least was for a long time, the only person that had founded three Fortune 500 companies. Yeah, uh, I, he, there may he, be somebody else now, maybe Elon Musk, but but he certainly for a long time had that title. Yeah, he he was an unbelievable entrepreneur, and and like I said, he started by driving garbage trucks. So the answer is. Uh, not every, there, there's no, you know, kids. This thing that's only one way that you're gonna go uh, to 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 about an Ivy League school and then you're gonna go do something from there. And the reality is, in today's day and age, is so different. I think the other thing is, um, uh, it, it's it's moving so fast. Our, our world's moving so fast that what works today won't necessarily work two years from now or three years from now. So, <clears throat> so my advice for young people. Is always find something you love doing, and the rest will take care of itself. Yeah, work hard. I think that's great advice. Yeah, work hard, and, and that'll take care of it, itself. But boy, has this has this stuff changed from the time that you and I were growing up? It, it has, right? I mean, for the better. For the better. For the better. But certainly, the corporate America track has really changed, right? There, the growth in jobs ha- is not there. The growth in jobs is all in the entrepreneurial sector. These companies have become incredibly productive because of technology. And it's not the safe haven it was once either. Well, that, that's true. I mean, if you look at the Fortune 500 or the S&P 500 over the last uh, 50 years, I think the only company that was there 50 years ago, which is not that long ago, was GE, yeah. right? And, and uh, I'm not sure GE will be there in 10 years, yeah. uh, for the record. So, so, but, but the only thing, it, again, there's no one right path. Uh, but what, what corporate America does great is training. Yes. I mean, there's, there's a lot of c- great companies that give you great training and also give you a view into how to grow a big corporation because growing a, a, a 10-person company and growing a, a, a 10,000-person company are, 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 are different things. And if you get that exposure, that's something that's good. But, but certainly, uh, more and more, it's a, it's, a, it's a changing world where you got to find where you belong. No, no doubt. Would your advice be adjusted a little bit based on being in South Florida versus being in New York? Just I say this because of the you know, concentration of large companies here versus somewhere else. You know, it's 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 interesting because so Miami is it's a double-edged sword. We don't have the fortune number of Fortune 500 companies that that a Chicago may have or a Atlanta may have or a New York may have, but that could be an advantage, right? So as a tech company, you will know, because uh, you've been in tech as long as I've been, yeah. is it was tough to recruit down here, right? Sure. Because it was tough. But but it's a double-edged sword. Once you got them down here, uh, and, and listen, uh, today's a beautiful South Florida day. <laughs> it really it's, is. It's yeah, a yeah. great day to recruit uh, <laughs> anybody. It'll be, better, it'll be better when it's about negative 10 degrees in Boston. It is, yeah. uh, but 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 Miami's got great advantages, and we have a great ecosystem. Uh, I I think the diversity that you find in Miami uh, is is amazing. I mean, you you'd be hard pressed to find a place where where being different or or being from a different country or having a different accent uh, is like not a big deal. It's a yeah. part for the course. So I, no, so that's I, a really that's a really great point, and I, I think you'll agree with me that that, that diversity is incredibly important to the success of a company. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it, to, to me, it's one of the most important factors in, in growth is to have different voices and different experiences. Particularly, you know, most people are building platforms that are, that are national or international. Yep, absolutely. And uh, if everybody you work with is, is somebody that's been in your circle for the last 30 years, uh, you're going to miss something. I mean, the, the, the Asian population, for example, is is growing like crazy and sure. in in the U.S. and the global markets abroad. So more and more getting different people's experiences and learning from it is is critical. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, these are all really really great insights from Salo Shredny, uh, a very very experienced executive and entrepreneur. And uh, why don't we switch gears a little bit here and talk about some some things that I think are really really important? You know, social media has changed the world quite a bit. Um, 30 years ago, you know, you might be able to get away with things, but today I think our whole lives are just kind of 
completely transparent. Why don't you talk a little bit about, you know, as a venture capitalist, as a business person, how do you see a person's conduct, their integrity, their the things that they do? How do you see all that factor into your decisions? Yeah, so so um, I was speaking about this uh, a few weeks ago at, at Penn State. Uh, the reality is that that in today's day and age, all you have is your reputation. Uh, and and uh, I think the old adage, it's not what you know, but who you know, uh, that hasn't changed. And the reality is that uh, when, when, uh, when you cross a line and people question your ethics or your integrity, that's a pretty tough thing to get past. So I think uh, uh, <clears throat> it's always been important because ultimately, you know, as VCs, we're, bet- we're betting in somebody's, uh, in somebody's future, right? We, we, we're basically marrying an entrepreneur, and if they're not of the highest ethics and uh, completely transparent, that becomes difficult. And we've passed in companies where we felt there were entrepreneurs that um, that, that that we couldn't work with. Yeah, yeah, and that's probably right. Probably no different than a spouse that I, you I couldn't guess. work with. True. I don't have one of those, by the okay, way. Okay, good, good. I was going to ask you that. <laughs> but I chose yes. very well. Good for you. I'm blessed, too. <laughs> But but no, yeah, no, I think, you know, there's an old saying that, you know, it takes 20 years to build a reputation. It takes about 20 minutes to, to mess it up for life. Not 20 minutes, 20 seconds. 20 is more seconds, like it. Yes. Yeah. yes. Yeah, so no, very important. And, I, you know, having worked with venture capitalists, there's really no fooling venture capitalists, I think, when it comes to this, right? Given that these are typically partnerships and there's due diligence that's done. And even if one partner gets emotional about a deal, there's going to be another partner that shuts it down. hundred percent. So, you know, at least for me, what I, what I would expect entrepreneurs to, to hear is that, you know, it's better to be a failure than it is to be a cheater. Yeah. I don't, I don't think being a cheater is uh, it's an option. Yeah, absolutely. What uh, I'm sure you've got some great war stories. Do you want to tell us one? Uh, sure. I mean, we're talking. The, the one that comes to mind is we're talking about about being able to work with people. And uh, I, I met with an entrepreneur actually locally. Hopefully, he's not listening. Uh, <laughs> although he might not recognize himself uh, in in this story. But but I met with an entrepreneur, and I I just thought it was a great business. Uh, the valuation was fine, but the guy was completely arrogant uh, and had all the answers. So so I asked Alex to come out and meet with him. And after I said, did, did you think he was arrogant or is it me? Because sometimes, you know, people have bad days or, or there's not the right chemistry. And I was like, no, no, he's completely arrogant. <laughs> so, so I called the guy back and, um, and I said, listen, you, you have a great company. We love what you're doing. Uh, but, but it's not the right fit for us. We really want to work with people that need our help, can use our help. And it's clear that you have all the answers and, and <laughs> you don't need any help. And the guy immediately says, listen, Saul, so you're, you're a gentleman, a scholar. Thank you for recognizing that. Uh, you're 100% correct. Uh, so, so you made my point. I felt much better because you're like, you know, we're not perfect. We'll make mistakes too. Uh, wow. But, but, but they were able to help confirm our, our, our deepest fears. <laughs> yes. That is impressive. Yeah. So, so uh, he didn't even uh, backpedal a little bit and say, no, you guys read me wrong. No, no, the opposite. He, yeah. he, he said, listen, you're, so you I, I'll never write. forget it. You're a gentleman, a scholar. You're 100% <laughs> correct. Thank you for recognizing that, and, uh, and uh, we'll stay in touch. Oh, my uh, God. So uh, it goes to show you, people say they're, they're the craziest things. So uh, sometimes you get lucky. I'm guessing this is a fairly recent story, so we don't know the disposition of this uh, we, venture yet. We, we don't. We don't. It's, uh, it's not even six months old, I don't yeah. think. Yeah, so yeah. It'll, be, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'll be watching it and see... Uh, See where it goes. So it's a well, funny guy. Funny yeah. guy. Yeah. 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 He, he probably do well. I mean, but, but again, there's no right or wrong, no wrong. Just because they were not our type of guy doesn't mean that they don't make it. I mean, a lot of sure. people thought Steve Jobs was extremely arrogant, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and he was one heck of an entrepreneur. There's no doubt. Yeah. But the question is, can, can, can the fund work with him? That's Correct. really what it comes down to. Exactly. That's the bottom line. Wow. That's a, that's a great story and great insight for, yeah. you know, entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs that are listening yeah for sure because you know one of the hardest things for an entrepreneur is is that dialogue with a venture capitalist it's something an entrepreneur does infrequently probably right 
Um, well, my advice to entrepreneurs is really to to do it often. Yeah. Uh, because what you want to do is you want to build a relationship, right? And it's uh, it's not different. That's a great point. A, not different than a marriage, and you have to cultivate that relationship uh, and make sure it grows and make sure that uh, that uh, that as time goes on, you really know uh, who 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 basically you're marrying. Right, so it's 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 very important that it's not a one and done, and that that you talk to them uh, when you need the money. You, you need to start building relationships way in advance, uh, so that people get comfortable with you and you get comfortable with our VC. Yeah, no, that's great, great advice. So talk to them maybe a year in advance, right? Maybe more sometimes. A hundred percent. The the, the yeah. sooner the better. Always always building relationship. Again, it's not it's not who you it's not what you know. It's who you know. So it becomes very important. Would you also say that it's important to talk to investors that might be a few stages in advance of your need? Maybe late stage investors that invest pre-IPO, Series B, Series C investors to sort of know what to build for? Yeah, I mean, the, the challenge is that as an entrepreneur, you got a pretty pretty full plate, right? And uh, you got to run a business. You, you have strategy. You got to pivot. <clears throat> you got to understand what's going on in the marketplace, market fit for your product. So I think it's very easy for, for us to say, hey, talk to as many people as you can. It's a little bit harder to execute on it. Yeah. But yes, it, it, I don't think there's, there's a bad conversation you can have with, with any VC because at the very least, they're seeing so many companies and so many potential acquisitions sure. or partners that I think it's, it's smart to, to build those relationships. They bring you insight, right? They bring you market insight that you might not otherwise get. They yeah. do. Yeah. Great point. So... You guys are, timing of your fund, I think you, how much, you said you, you deploy from 100,000 to a million, and then how much, and the average is about five, 600, how much do you reserve for follow-on rounds? Yeah, so, so what we've done with this fund is, um, is we've reserved about a third of the fund uh, for, for distribution uh, later. I mean, the reality is that <clears throat> we, we want to support entrepreneurs through and through, right? And we're coming in, at the C stage, A, uh, at the latest, and there's going to be B and C. Uh, so we want to make sure that we're there to support and back our entrepreneurs to make sure, sure. that as they grow, uh, we're able to, to provide additional capital and help bring other, other, other folks to the party. Yeah, no, that's great. And um, will you guys be raising another fund? We, 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 we are. Um, we're still working on it, but I think we're going to go for $100 million this time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so we're, getting, uh, we're working through the details and get through. But uh, we, we've been lucky enough to have uh, some great portfolio companies, and, uh, and people are excited about what we're doing. So hopefully that will leverage into uh, bigger and, and, and better things. That would be tremendous, have a $100 million yeah. venture capital yeah, fund well, here locally. would be tremendous. Yeah, one, one thing at a time, though. we gotta, we got <laughs> we to gotta deploy the first fund well and make sure, sure – that we get, uh, we return multiples uh, to our investors of what they gave us. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. But that may take a little time too, right? Yeah, I mean, it does. That doesn't happen overnight. It does. It does. So, tell us a little bit about your portfolio. Any any companies you want to double click on? And oh, sure. I mean, we, we are um, we're we're very proud of of who we ha- we've invested in. Uh, I we've invested in eleven companies, and five of them are are, are local. Uh, so obviously, uh, we don't just invest locally. We we invest uh, across the U.S. We have some investments also in Israel, which is a big hub uh, yep. for for uh, for innovation. Uh, but locally, <clears throat> we have um, Date Systems, which is a fintech company down in in um, in South Miami that that works on on payments. Uh, we have the Clark Valve Company, which has quite a few patented valves. It's really changing radically. The way uh, valves are have been around for a hundred years, but they yeah. they've been able to innovate and, and produce some pretty interesting stuff. Itopia, which is getting helping companies uh, get on on the Google on the web. Um, Agley, which is a biotech startup that came out of University of Miami, and Taxfile, which is a company that's really uh, radically changing the way tax returns are prepared. So uh, for some reason, all of us at CPAs <laughs> we love. Uh, we love the tax and accounting field, and we know something, one or two things about it. Yeah, well, those you, you mentioned three of those that I know pretty well. I know the entrepreneurs, all great companies. Yeah. Uh, tax files, certainly very, very interesting what they've been doing. 
Yeah. Uh, Coral Gables. You think Coral Gables and, uh, you know, revolutionizing sort of the way the way tax returns are done. Uh, great, great story there. I have big, big expectations for those guys. Uh, certainly the guys at Date Systems are uh, proven entrepreneurs. Yeah. Um, Dave Wilson, right, was uh, had an exit early, earlier. I, I actually know Dave from 30 years ago, I think. Oh, wow. From our from our core bank processing yeah. days, you're yeah. old. I uh, am old. You're old. <laughs> Thirty years is a long time. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that publicly. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, <laughs> Dave left an impression on me because he, uh, back in those days, he he created some software that people didn't believe, even NCR at the time did, didn't believe was possible. That's awesome. And I saw it with my two eyes, and I'm like, yeah. "Wow, this guy, this guy's a badass." Yeah, no, for sure. Cool. Yeah, no. <laughs> you know, so so that those are the type of people we want to. We want to bet on people that yeah. uh, that want to disrupt and create cool stuff, and th that really changes the world. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it sounds like you guys have, are making some great bets, and uh, you know, I speak. I, I'm sure I speak for all of South Florida in saying that we really appreciate your presence here and the things that you're doing. Not only supporting entrepreneurs through your operational experience, but uh, supporting them with checks. Yeah, and well, helping them achieve their dreams. Listen, cash is king, and we're here. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're just getting started, and uh, that's that's an important part of having a great ecosystem. To having local people that can help you. No, there's no doubt about it. No doubt about it. And uh, Salo Shredney, venture capitalist, tremendous entrepreneur, executive, former accountant and consultant. He's done a lot. I hope my and wife's listening with all this accolades. <laughs> yeah. But thank you. It's great to be here. And it's an honor to be the first guest. And I can truly say that on your LinkedIn profile, it says you're empowering humans to do some pretty awesome things. And after talking to you today, it sounds like it's all true. It's a, thank He you. is doing it. So yeah, thank you very much. Uh, that's it for today on 8Base Radio. We'll be back next week uh, with some great conversations. Thank you very much. Appreciate you joining us for 8Base Radio, hosted by 8Base founder and CEO Albert Santalo. Join us every Monday in prime time at 5 p.m. for a powerful, interactive hour featuring top business leaders, technology trends, and upcoming impacting events in the business world, bringing together the brightest minds in business and tech. This has been 8Base Radio. See you next Monday at 5 p.m. Good night. <laughs>